Welcome to the You Collective Pathmakers podcast. I'm really excited to be with Colleen Costello today. Colleen is the CEO and co-founder of Vital Vio, and today we're going to talk about what she's building at the company, but also about her journey. Colleen, welcome. Thank you, Joyce. Really glad to be here. Tell us about what you do and your journey. I think it's super fascinating about kind of how you got to where you are today. Sure. So a little background on myself. Um, I'm a biomedical engineer by background. Um, I started out kind of in the biology and science realm of things uh, in high school. I was fortunate enough to participate in a a kind of extensive three-year science research program where we had to pick an area of science that was of interest to us and look at identifying different labs and internships that we could work through to really begin to um, increase our skill set and chops, if you will, in the, in the science research sector. And at the time, um, my brother actually had just recently been diagnosed with type 1 diabetes, which is unfortunately a juvenile autoimmune disease. And it, it I, I saw really how dramatically it impacted his life on a day-to-day basis as it relates to everything he ate and insulin shots and things like that. And so I decided to focus my work uh, at the time in the disease state of type 1 diabetes and began working at, well, Cornell um, in their endocrinology department and then Mount Sinai in their biochemistry uh, division, really looking at various, really, biochemistry and molecular biology around this disease state. And for me, it was kind of first fall in love, if you will, with biology as it relates to us understanding how the human body works and being one of the most, if not the most complicated kind of machines on the planet and really being able to look at doing insulin testing in the lab and then come home at night and be able to tell my brother kind of how those results were going uh, really drove home the connection for me of work that I could do that could have really have an impact on on patients and, and people's lives um, and then decided I wanted to move a little bit up the food chain uh, into specifically making products so that we're a little bit less of a decade-long process uh, to get to a patient, but more, you know, two to five-year time frame where you can start impacting patient health. Uh, so went and got my degree at biomedical engineering uh, at RPI here in New York, and then unfortunately had another health incident with my grandmother who contracted a MRSA infection within a hospital. She was supposed to be there one night. She had fallen, and unfortunately, she ended up there 12 plus days. We went in the next day, and she had, they told us we had to put on gloves and masks, and she had picked up a MRSA infection in the hospital, and that at the time was really surprising to me. Uh, Now I know much better, but uh, at the time, it was surprising that people can go in to a healthcare facility and end up uh, more sick than they were when they walked in. And so that was the genesis really for starting Vital Vio. Um, And it was really around the issue of hospital-acquired infections and more broadly, the issue that germs can play in impacting our lives, uh, whether they're transmitted through surfaces, air, everything we touch, human interactions. And most of the cleaning tools we have today are really intermittent uh, in terms of how they are able to clean things, whether that be wiping or washing or other light tools or chemicals. A lot of things kill germs is what I had noticed at the time, but I really saw a huge lapse in continuous antimicrobial benefit. And so that was really the genesis for me of continuing to tie um, my biomedical engineering background into how can we design technologies and tools to better public health. And that's really what uh, was the genesis for Vital View. And now we offer uh, antimicrobial white light for continuous uh, sanitization within a variety of different sectors. No, that's great to hear. And I think it's, uh, it's, 
it's timely um, in terms of um, what we're going through uh, as um, as a world. So t- before we talk about Vital Veal, just kind of give the audience a bit background about um, the infection that your grandmother had. And uh, obviously that was maybe one of the motivations for you to um, figure out how to build a product to solve uh, a problem that... Um, you know, already existed, um, but you know there wasn't really technology um, to uh, to address it. Indeed. So at the time, um, I was it was getting my biomedical engineering degree. I was actually focused a bit more on tissue engineering um, and and interested in that field as it relates to um, different variety of different things we can do with tissue engineering. Anything from um, interesting organ development to, you know, skin, um, skin tissue regeneration and things like that. So I was in the field, but definitely on a bit of a different path at the time. Um, but that's how kind of stark the experience was for me that, um, you know, my grandmother had, had fallen and then essentially it was kind of debating, well, does she really need to go to the hospital? Does she not? Ended up going, the doctors were debating, does she need to stay there or not? And ended up staying overnight. Um, and then it was so dramatic in the morning to have experienced that where, wow, was this, you know, this had a, a disproportionately large impact on her than perhaps it would have been if she had either hadn't gone or was discharged. And that, that was enough to kind of stop me in my tracks a little bit and say, wow, this is a really, this is, this shouldn't be happening. This is a really right. big challenge. And, and at the time it motivated me to go back a little bit to my roots in terms of literature review um, within the research and to say, wow, I got to really kind of understand why this could happen. Um, and be, that's when it kind of was a, a motivation to me to pull, pull into that literature and really start to dig into why is this happening? Why don't we have tools to address this? And Again, having started relatively early, um, you know, looking at these these different issues of how can we really dig into the current state of the art as well as um, what can we build moving forward is always kind of how I've approached problems and hence the engineering hat. And so for me, it was something I really couldn't look away from because of how dramatic the issue was. So then how did you go from, in some ways, kind of, uh, you know, just purely research and then perhaps... Um, uh, you know, learning more uh, through personal experience, talking to people to actually building Vital VO and, and building a team around you and around what you want to do. Sure. There was certainly, a, it, was, it was definitely an iterative process. Um, as you could imagine, it, it came together in pieces at a time. Um, and my intention originally was really to try to understand the problem um, and then try to get to technologies. And then the business element kind of came third. But I had also experience, in addition to my research experience, I had also worked at COVID and surgical devices in um, surgical device design. And so I'd gotten this interesting balance between really heavy wet lab research that was very much, you know, publication oriented to the other side of the coin, which was, you know, for-profit medical devices. And both were amazing experiences and, and great organizations to to work for. But I did see just the driving factors in each of these were were very different. And I, I also, you know, wanted to be able to blend both. Um, but a lot of the medical device type companies that I was either working for or was going to work for, uh, you know, they had a very set charted path for the, the category that they were in. 
And, you know, it seemed like things that were outside of that box were going to be challenging to actually drive forward to deliver those tools. And so for me, it came together of those, those that Venn diagram of my experiences and saying, I want to do something about this. Um, you know, I don't think just doing research on it is going to be enough. So for me, it really landed on the entrepreneurship uh, element of this is how I think I can really try to commercialize uh, and drive the deployment of this technology forward. It certainly was a trial by fire process along the way, uh, but basically pieced together every single, every crawled every single uh, building block together to get to where we are today. And obviously it's been somewhat of a curve, but at the outset we looked at, okay, what are our proof of concepts to say that we can develop lighting that can only impact um, these organisms, but be safe to be used around people. And so we started looking at research labs, um, the New York State Department of Health. We started looking at research grants, um, and we were able to piece together really that that those prototypes, proof of concept. Okay, this is work. This this works. Now it's about commercialization, and um, and that became then you know a fundraising process as well as. Uh, building different members of the team. The team members that um, were early stage technology developers are not necessarily the team members that are, you know, on my business development team seven years later. Um, so it's certainly been an evolution um, and a really fun and fascinating and challenging process as it relates to, you know, commercializing something essentially, you know, from scratch. Yeah, no, that's an amazing story and um, a really insightful, I think, reflection by the founder. Um, so you you've been named and you've been featured on CNBC, Bloomberg, ABC, Forbes, etc., all the major news outlets and and media uh, for what you have done um, for kind of the innovation that Vitalville um, is bringing to the market. As you kind of think about the journey you've gone through, Colleen, what what have you learned about yourself in terms of leadership and being a founder and being a CEO? I've learned a lot. I can certainly say that. That's uh, that's a very long list, and I, I think one of the, uh, upon reflection, you know, one of the greatest things that that I can take away just from a personal development is all the learning that that has uh, happened in a very short period of time. That you know, although there are risks in starting a business, I think the the upside and opportunity, in addition to the business, but both from a professional and personal development, have been huge um, because of the types of things that you know, myself and our team have had to, to deal with uh, in, in taking this uh, to market and, and getting where it is today. Uh, so there's been a lot learned, I can say that for sure. I think what some of the interesting um, kind of things to take away is essentially that I've found that the best place for growth is outside your comfort zone. And it may sound a little obvious, but, you know, when you get really comfortable being uncomfortable, um, you, because you know in the past that it's been the the sort of driving force behind growth, whether it be in you know designing a team and lessons learned there, whether it be fundraising and lessons learned there, or you know managing um, you know various clinical trials on our customer basis. There's there's so many learnings across each, but what I've certainly solidified for myself is that being outside of your comfort zone is exactly where you need to get comfortable if you're going to do something hard and if you're going to do something that's going to challenge um, both yourself as well as industries and markets and, and uh, you know, well-known things such as, you know, tools for infection prevention. So that's been a key kind of takeaway for me um, overall. And I, that's been something from the entrepreneurship perspective that has been, is, is I find to be just very critical because there's going to be things that you could have never predicted happen that you better get really comfortable with pretty quickly. Um, and then, and then you can use those building blocks in the future. So just being aware that there's a future dividend to be paid for some of those things that are occurring now. 
um, has been really powerful, uh, number one. And number two, I would also say that motivating teams and, and even our customers around around doing the right and important thing has been a key part of my job. Um, sometimes investing in preventative and proactive tools, especially in healthcare, is not the easiest thing to do. Um, just because people should do something, whether it be for their patients, for their food processing plant, for their employees, doesn't mean they're going to do it. And so the, the, uh, the genesis and kind of nucleus of our company is around every single one of our team members really caring deeply about what we do and the importance of it. And they bring that to every single conversation that they have with anyone that interacts with our organization, because that is truly overall what we're looking, the mission we have is to protect as many people in places as possible with continuous antimicrobial tools. And so that, that passion and that mission has to be shared across the organization. And, you know, I, I will say, fortunately, it, you know, it comes easy to people uh, who, who join our organization that, this is something that needs to be out there in the world and needs to drive deployment of what we're doing. Uh, but that's a key, a key, I wouldn't say it's a learning. It was a hope I had at the outset and it's certainly come to fruition mm-hmm. that that's been a major asset uh, of, of myself as a leader, as well as other leaders within our team and otherwise that um, really driving home the importance of what we do and why we do it um, is the best motivating you could ever have for, for any team. And, Given the kind of the time that we live in, um, you know, during COVID, um, how has people's perception of uh, or interest in in your company and your product changed or not changed? Yeah, it's been a very significant change um, in terms of our business. We've had over a 4,000 increase in demand and increase in the last eight weeks to our company, um, which is an interesting challenge in and of itself. Um, Yeah. And it, it, it's, 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 you know, we're still the same number of team, team members. So it's been kind of fascinating to see, but it's almost as if, you know, as I just talked about prevention and proactive investments can be hard sells because, you know, everybody wants to push off a problem until it's a crisis. And I think that that mentality is you know, the future of sort of antimicrobial tools has kind of come lightning speed right to current. Um, whereas that that wasn't necessarily such an urgency or a priority list for for organizations. So we work across hospitals, university athletics, um, schools, uh, all sorts of different institutions that may have germ problems. And whereas you know cleanliness and germ control might have been priority you know fifty for them uh, two months ago, it's now priority one through fifty for them. <laughs> and so. Right completely change mindset, completely change spotlight on these issues. And so, you know, while it's obviously an incredibly difficult and and in a lot of cases tragic time that we've had to get to a crisis point, I'm optimistic that moving forward, uh, the ever-presence of these germs, um, coronavirus, but also many, many others, will begin to be a a threat that's taken seriously across our society. And as you uh, just given your experience, um, kind of always worked in the uh, innovative areas of whether it's biomedical, uh, biomedical engineering, um, tissue engineering, as you talked about, clinical device, surgical device, and, and now really uh, marry all those things together and building products. Where, what, what are some of the things that y- you see or you anticipate that will continue? Um, in whether it's public health or medical research um, and uh, healthcare innovation um, in in the next few years, 
So there's a number of micro trends I could talk about, but I think what's yeah. it, it, what it would cover it in terms of a, a macro trend is in line with the, some of what I was just saying is that as it relates to public health, we cannot wait until things are a crisis <laughs> until yeah. we address them. And now there's been a lot of work done sort of in preventative health overall, right? That's kind of where public health is, has been moving over the last five to 10 years, not very quickly, um, but it's been moving that direction around, wow, there's just such a significant both human and economic cost to dealing with health problems once they are uh, a critical stage. Uh, what, why are we not doing this in a more preventative fashion, whether that be the basics of you know diet exercise and trying to get people incentivized in that direction? It's been slow, unfortunately, although it's been moving in the right direction and, and depends on which, which country and, and your healthcare system, how quickly that is adopted. And then the germ element adds an entire other dimension to that. Um, so the things that we need to be, we need to be looking across all sorts of spectrums of vaccines and therapeutics, even before a new germ threat emerges, so that we're not kind of on our, our hind legs, if you will, as it relates to dealing with these challenges. We need to invest in, in technologies and tools, um, whether it be lighting or otherwise, uh, that can really help us protect the day-to-day -day issues around germs, which exacerbate when you get into a pandemic situation. So there's no doubt that there's been a tectonic plate shift in our in our experience just in the last couple of months, how very, very large institutions and Fortune 50 companies are now really having a, sort of a corporate pillar, similar to their sustainability and ESG goals, a corporate pillar now around a seriousness of health and wellness, not just mm -hmm. you know, here's a gym membership, but how do we protect right. you in your elevators and in your workplace and um, you know things along those lines? So I think it unfortunately it sometimes it's these types of dramatic situations that kind of shake people by the shoulders and say, okay, we've been ignoring this long enough. We got to do something about this now. And you know I think that's across the a lot lot of germ issues. I mean, hospital acquired infections. The reason I started this business kill at least a hundred thousand people every year within hospitals, and that's the ones that are reported, not to mention your daily run-of-the-mill issues in schools, for example, strep, pink eye, all these things that have major costs. Um, I think it's going to be a ripple effect that's obviously acutely addressing the coronavirus right now, but then also moving forward, uh, how does this become a pillar of both our sort of public and private sectors moving forward? So at a macro trend, we're certainly experiencing that with the large corporations that use our technology. Yeah. Um, so I think if anything, it's it's for the better. No, that's uh, a really helpful perspective, uh, especially you're at the front line of this. Um, so last question for you, Colleen, is um, kind of what advice would you give to you know, founders um, who are um, kind of looking at early technology, trying to commercialize? Um, I know it's not an easy road. I work with lots of founders. Um, but from your perspective, what advice would you give them that you wish you had or you, you now know that uh, is something that's really valuable in guiding you? It's a great question, Joyce. And there's there's so much to be learned from the entrepreneurship experience. And what I can say from my perspective is that, you know, uh, people look at, you know, the, the journey of, of starting a business and, and whether it has, you know, a, a proprietary technology or maybe not, regardless, you know, there's a lot of dimensions to be considered. And I think often you know, it, it is always discussed how challenging the road is and how, you know, the hurdles are there. And that's all incredibly true. 
But I'm, you know, I'm more of an optimist on the front of you have to also look at the dimensions of um, what else the, the starting a business experience brings to the table. And I can say that from my perspective, I started Vital V. I was a senior in college and no business experience um, and no. Um, but at the same time, I was able to not actually ha- not actually it was almost helpful that I didn't know what I didn't know at the time because it, it allowed me to take that leap take that journey and it's paid off significantly for me as opposed to the route I, m- I could have gone you know working for a large healthcare or medical device company and so often I think there's a, a skew skew towards a lot of the risk as well as the hurdles and challenges but I would encourage really considering also of course there's the the financial and, and otherwise upside, but there's also so much in terms of learning experience, um, the different levels of uh, people that you get to interact with, the rewarding nature of bringing a technology to market or whatever it might be to market. There's so much, I think, on the upside that is, um, you know, includes the financial, but also so much deeper than that on a, on a personal level. And so, you know, that's my encouragement to people is it seems daunting, but, but ultimately every, every, uh, every hurdle is an amazing learning process. And I think that there's, um, it's, it's something that would be difficult to learn other in other environments and other places uh, and teaches you a lot about yourself as well. So I think those are all really kind of upside and, and, and checks in the pro category as it relates to, um, you know, starting a business. And we, we certainly, certainly need more of that in the world. So I, that's, that's kind of my, my two cents on, uh, but my experience has been in advice I would, I would give people as one element. You're so impressive. And what you do is, um, it's for sure impactful. So we look forward to seeing more of Vital VO and under your leadership where, where the product um, can, uh, can help our society. And, um, where can people find uh, more about you and your company? Sure. So you can go to vitalvo.com uh, is the best place for that information. We sell products into commercial sectors, as I mentioned, but we also have residential products that solve simpler problems like killing mold and mildew in your shower that uh, you can find at vitalvo.com or, or Amazon and otherwise. So thanks, Joyce. I enjoyed talking this afternoon. Yeah, thanks, Colleen.